Hello, I'm Leah Potter. I'm Meredith Roten, and we are two news editors at the GW Hatchet. This is the Hatchet's podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, a weekly podcast from the second oldest newspaper in D.C. covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. I'm here with news editor Kayla Harris. Big news this week, as Peter Konwerski, the Dean of Student Affairs and Vice Provost, announced that he would step down at the end of next spring. Kayla, what have you found out about that? I spoke with Peter Konorski this week, and he talked a lot about how this was the right time for him to step down. He just hit his 25-year mark at the university as, as an administrator, as an employee, and that was in September. And so Peter was telling us a little bit about how he was at his celebration for 25 years and he was thinking you know like this is a new university president who's focused on the student experience and I've kind of been the champion for the student experience so I feel the university is in good hands and he was saying that now is a good time for him to move on to uh, different opportunities. What was he saying he's looking for in the future? He isn't sure yet he doesn't have a job lined up but he was saying that he's looking he's been in higher education for a long time obviously 25 years at the university he was saying that he'd like to say somewhere in that realm maybe something with academics, something a little bit different from what he's doing now, but something likely in higher education. He said he might also continue to be a professor at the university next year. Peter Kay has quite the online presence, and a lot of students are familiar with his face because of that. What has the student reaction been like? The student reaction has been pretty mixed. I mean, if you just go on Twitter and see the news that was tweeted about this from either the Hatchet or from GW announcing it, It's kind of been split down the middle. There have been some students who have been really sad that he's about to head out for something different. There was also a huge campaign for Peter to step down last semester, though, after a student said that he was responsible for mishandling her sexual assault case and not expelling her rapist and allowing him to graduate with her. There was a big student reaction from that community who thought that it was a really good thing that he was stepping down. Where does this leave the Division of Student Affairs? It's had some restructuring uh, over the past couple of years and some other departures as well this year. The Division of Student Affairs has definitely seen some turnover this semester. Peter's announcement that he's going to resign is the fourth announcement of resignation this semester, although his is delayed, whereas the others were immediate. Uh, Glenn Eagleman, the former director of the Colonial Health Center, uh, unexpectedly stepped down in September. He was followed by Gabe Slifka, the director of, or the former director of the Office of Student Rights and Responsibilities, but Gabe was called for military duty. And then uh, Victoria Pridemore, who is a senior veterans official, she also recently stepped down. And so the Division of Student Affairs is seeing a lot of change right now in speaking to experts. They kind of said that this was an opportunity for the Division of Student Affairs to find a new identity and reform itself in the way that they saw fit. President LeBlanc has also made a huge focus of his presidency and said that one of his main goals is to improve the student experience. And so this kind of gives him the opportunity to select someone for that position who is kind of in line with his goals. And only President LeBlanc really knows exactly what those are. Right. So in him getting to choose his new dean of student affairs in this process of choosing these three other members of the DSA, President LeBlanc is going to really set himself up to uh, restructure the office in the way that he sees fit to best meet his goals. I spoke with the Student Association's President Peek Sen Chua and Executive Vice President Sidney Nelson, who talks a bit about what role the essay will have during this transition period. The Dean of Students has such an important role on campus, um, and it's really critical that students are involved in the process of not only who um, comes and eventually fills um, that Dean of Student role, um, but what the future of the DSA looks like. Um, And so that's something that we're definitely already committed to being part of um, and have spoken with the provost on. 
So, have you spoken on any specific set objective things that you'll be involved? Like, will you be involved in a search or um, it's yeah, not no specifics yet. Um, but there definitely is an agreement that student voice is important um, and that it will be included. Uh, we will continue to push for student involvement, student input into the hiring of the new dean, especially for the head of a department that is so student centered mm -hmm. and has responsibility over many aspects of the undergraduate student experience. And what is the timeline on finding out who the next dean of student affairs is? It'll be sometime next semester before Peter leaves. So Peter will exit at the end of the academic year, which is in May. And so we will likely find out who his replacement is sometime in the middle of next semester. Really important question. Is he changing his Twitter handle? Oh, we did not go over this. I don't know. Good question. And as we're winding down the fall semester, can you talk us through um, what the Student Association has been doing this semester? Yeah, so the Student Association Senate has passed four bills or resolutions so far this year. The first resolution that was passed was about Title IX reform and encouraging the university to reform its Title IX policies and procedures. The second resolution was condemning President LeBlanc's $500,000 inauguration. There were also two bills, so the first bill was a bill to establish the Governance and Nominations Committee, which replaced the Senate's Leadership Committee. The second one was a bill to form a committee to reform the Joint Elections Committee Charter. That's the body that holds student association, class council, and program board elections. There will also be a fifth bill debated on Monday, which will actually make those changes to the Joint Elections Committee Charter, and that will likely be passed. So the total will likely be five. And what does that look like compared to other years? So that's a lot lower than in years past. Last year, by this time, the Student Association Senate had passed 12 bills, and that was actually, at the time, that was a low number of bills, too. So the year before that, there were about 27 bills or resolutions that were passed in the 2015-16 Senate. So this is a lot lower than we're used to seeing. And so it, it's slowing down, but what are, what are senators saying? SA leadership and senators are saying that the change that we're seeing in legislation and the drop in legislation that we're seeing is representative of a change in focus of the Senate from focusing on that legislation to focusing on more long-term behind-the-scenes projects and advocacy work. When I was talking to Senator Brady Forrest, he's the pro temp of the Senate, and also Executive Vice President Sidney Nelson, both of them were saying that they had kind of agreed this year that they didn't want to pass legislation that was do nothing or just made a flashy statement, but that they wanted to pass a resolution at the beginning or at the end of a project so that it could be like, this is what we're doing and this is how we're going to do it, or we just finished this, this is what we did. So it wouldn't just be making a statement that wouldn't really do anything. Instead, they would be passing something that marked the beginning or end of a project. Were the bills of previous years more substantive than the ones that have been passed this year? There's just been a general trend in the essay that the that there are fewer bills passed and resolutions passed recently that have more of an effect than just saying we support this or we want to do this. So recent legislation has been more line by line, this is how we can do something instead of just saying we want it done. Can you kind of walk me through an example of something that was passed last year? At the beginning of last year, the Senate passed an affordability resolution, which required the committees, there are three committees on the Senate, uh, the Finance Committee, the Academic Committee, the Academic Affairs Committee, and then the Student Life Committee. And each of those committees would have to assess what affordability issues they were seeing within those categories on campus. And so that resolution required the committees to submit reports at the end of the year saying, this is what we saw, this is how we think it can be fixed, 
Um, so that's the kind of, those are the kind of resolutions that were being passed last year. I spoke with SA President Peak Santois, and he talked about how the Senate not passing legislation wasn't necessarily a bad thing for the SA as a whole. I think that all the bills that we have passed this year have been meaningful and impactful and have been something that has been not only not the product of, not a mix of, you know, individual senators writing bills and a group of senators writing the bills, but also, so that's how it used to be. I think all the bills that have been written this year have been collaborations between the Senate, the executive, senators and student organizations, and in the case of the SASA bill, the executive and the Senate and the student organization like Students Against Sexual Assault. So no, I don't. I think the quality of bills, frankly, this year have been incredible. I also spoke with Executive Vice President Sidney Nelson, who talked about how these bills that are being passed this year and these resolutions that are being passed this year are more thorough than in years past. I um, and other Senate leadership really stressed at the beginning of the year was that most of the work that a senator does should take place outside the Senate floor. Mm-hmm. Um, that advocacy projects didn't happen magically when you passed a bill um, or passed a resolution, that it really took a lot of work um, with administrators, with your committee, um, with other senators, with other student orgs on campus, other stakeholders, um, to actually make change and to impact the student body. Um, and we kind of outlined you know, when an appropriate time for legislation was, was to complement an advocacy project, um, whether that be if you've reached a kind of a stopping point where you need to show the student support for something, or if you've completed a project and you need to indicate to the student body that this is now available, um, or for like bills, for example, if you need to change the bylaws. Um, but that we did not want to see um, legislation that was empty and that didn't accomplish anything. The Senate talked about more behind the scenes kind of work that they're doing. Did they tell you what that was? Some senators are very transparent about the projects that they're working on. For example, earlier this year, we knew that Jan Yonan and Amani Ross were working on a project to look at the names on university buildings and see if they needed to be renamed, for example, the Marvin Center. So that's been a behind-the-scenes project that we've known about for a while. Other senators are pursuing different projects that they want to, but we don't know what they are yet. Oftentimes, senators won't announce what they've done or what they've been working on until it's actually complete. What do you see coming up in the spring? One of the reasons why senators and why SA leaders said that there hasn't been a lot of legislation passed in the fall is because there was a huge vacancy filling process in the SA. So that just took up a lot of time trying to fill all of the Senate vacancies and all of the cabinet vacancies. Additionally, there was an entire new committee that was formed, which had about 10 members, to reform the Joint Elections Committee charter. So that was just an additional time commitment for a lot of senators. So in talking to Sydney Topeka, to Brady Forrest, um, all of them were saying that next semester we can likely expect more legislation or just more projects in general because senators will have more time and the Senate won't be focusing as much on filling vacancies. Thanks, Kayla, for coming to talk to us today. Yeah, anytime. Our culture editor, Liz Preventure, is back this week to help anyone who's struggling to come up with good gift ideas this year. Thanks for coming back, Liz. Thanks for having me, Leah. So this week, the culture section has a holiday guide complete with different places to shop for gifts around the district, different gifts to get for your friends and family, and then also different holiday activities. What advice do you have for our readers in terms of what gifts we should be buying this season? So one of our stories in the gift section is naughty versus nice gifts. So we have some edgier things for your like more inappropriate friends and then some wholesome gifts. So what are the edgier gifts? 
Everyone's played Cards Against Humanity, but we have a few other suggestions for slightly inappropriate board games. One of them is called Who's Most Likely To? It's kind of like the opposite of Never Have I Ever. It gives you things that your friends might have done and you have to vote who in the room is most likely to have done the said thing. Yeah, that sounds like fun, but that doesn't sound super risque. What else do you have? We have another gift that's a poem book. So that sounds on the outside very wholesome. (laughs) More traditional, yes. (laughs) But actually, it's called I Hope You Find Me. It's transcriptions of ads from Craigslist misconnections section. So it's people saying things like, oh, like you have a foot fetish and I am also interested (laughs) in that. Or I saw you in line at Walmart and you were looking good. (laughs) (laughs) Things like that. So it is, it does get pretty risque. What about your friends who would be on the nice list? So one of the nice gifts we have is for that friend who doesn't really go out a lot, is more of a goody two-shoes, and that's a hangover cure kit. Why would somebody who's a bit of a goody two-shoes need something like a hangover cure kit if they're not really going out that much? You know, like with the holidays and finals and all, there's bound to be a party or two that they might go to. And if they go a little bit too hard and they don't know how to take care of their hangover the next day, so they need their box of emergency and tea and Advil and all that good stuff. Gotcha. Well, thank you, Liz, for giving us some ideas for our holiday shopping and best of luck with your own shopping this year. Yeah, you too, Leah. Hope you can find something for that special someone. (laughs) (laughs) That's all for this week. Thank you for tuning in to hear all the news happening in Foggy Bottom and around GW. You'll hear from us next week with Getting to the Bottom of It. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by news editors Leah Potter and Meredith Roten and featuring culture editor Liz Preventure. This podcast is produced by managing editor Tyler Loveless, assistant video editor Ariana Dunham, and assistant copy editor Emma Tyrell. Music was produced by Olk Studio. Special thanks this week to Kayla Harris for joining us on Getting to the Bottom of It. See you next week.